Radio Rugby Podcast. It's a special edition. We don't have a midweek one this week because there's no press conference, but there was a, an announcement today, uh, and I've got William Davis on the line. Hiya, William. Good evening, Alan. And uh, we also have Rob Murphy on the line. Hiya, Rob. Hello, lads. Good to be part of the midweek show. Long time listener, first time caller and all that. Very good, very good. William, tell us what happened today. Yeah, big announcement today. Uh, John Muldoon has announced today officially that he will retire at the end of the season. Uh, he told us at the beginning of the season this would be his last year. He's played a lot more rugby, I think, than he was. Well, I don't know whether he was planning to, but he told us he wasn't going to play very much. He was, he was going to. He said he was going to sit on the bench and help out or something like that. He's played a lot of rugby. He's playing some good rugby, but he's decided that this will be his final uh, season with Connacht and his final season as a professional rugby player. Uh, huge servant, a single club man, somebody who's been identified with Connacht in all various eras. He seems to have been there forever and he's seen the good times, the bad times, the worse than bad times, the in-between times and through all of it he's kept going and he's been an absolutely vital part of the whole setup and uh, we're going to have a little chat about him this evening and we're also going to play out an interview I did with him last year when he reached his 300th cap and uh, it'll give you a good flavour. We'll be talking to John in more detail again in, in, in future weeks. And uh, he's still got a lot of rugby to play. This season is far from over. But uh, I think we have to acknowledge uh, his the debt, the Connacht rugby, and that's the organisation. Uh, other players, the fans owe him. And uh, that's an ideal opportunity to do it in this uh, special midweek podcast. It is indeed. Like he's he's played seventy two European matches, seventy of them starting. Like he's only been on the bench twice, and he's played two hundred and forty seven times in the Pro fourteen with two hundred and twenty starts. That's a heck of a record, Rob. Yeah, and you know, I was saying today that we we're nearly getting to the stage where we just were exasperated and just can't get ourselves to just get our heads around the longevity of his career. And just lately, I found myself in commentaries just using your stats, Alan, constantly and just, you know, really just emphasising. Maybe sometimes when you're in a place like Worcester, when there's a row of Worcester fans in front of you, you want them to listen to it and just take it in as well. 319 now games in yep. total uh, for Connacht. And, I mean, you know, he's got a healthy smattering of tries in that time too. 23 would have been 24 if uh, a referee at the weekend had been a little bit more generous and just given them that one instead of switching it to a fancy try. But, you know so much more than that what what you gotta like about John Muldoon I think more than anything in terms of the way he plays rugby is the fact that he's just one of these guys that if you were trying to do a, a scouting profile on him and you maybe had 20 categories and you're trying to see okay so which category does he you know not do too well in you wouldn't find many I mean he's basically going to be 80%, 90% in every single category. And that's what makes him brilliant. He can do everything. He's a good, he's got the perfect rugby brain. He can play the number eight in the back row roles to perfection. Yet he's not going to be the fastest player on the pitch. He's not going to be the most skillful player on the pitch. But there literally won't be any key element of the game that he won't be able to do. And I think there was just a moment a couple of weeks ago in the Worcester game where you just thought this man is just such a hard player to play against when he was wrapped up in a 
in a wrap tackle that looked like it was going to develop into a maul and he tried that trick that a few players are doing these days where he just dropped the knee to the ground and that made it a tackle and then he wasn't released and he got the penalty and you're just like leadership thinking the game through everything and look it, it reached a peak in Murrayfield a couple of years ago in that final in that man of the match display that will always be the highlight but I think these couple of seasons since shouldn't be underestimated because he's bringing players through you look at the likes of Owen Masterson and you think you know you just know if Owen Masterson goes through a similar long career of a decade or so you just know in a decade time someone will be interviewing Owen Masterson and he'll be talking about the influence Tom Muldoon had on him and he's the first of what will be many yeah just you know just so people know how long he has been in the game you look at some of the players he, he played his first game in which was against the borders back in 2004 you have Tim Allnut who's the current manager of Connacht, you've got Conor McPhillips, who's a coach with Bristol and an ex-Connacht coach. You have uh, John Fogarty, who's a Leinster coach. You have Dan McFarland, who's coaching the Scotland team, uh, the Scotland forwards team. Um, you have Damien Brown, who's halfway across the Atlantic, um, and you have uh, Eric Elwood, who's back in the coaching the coaching world. And like John's still playing, and he played with all those guys all those years ago. It just shows you how long he's been around. It's um, amazing, amazing feat. No question about it, and I think, um, look, you know, if William, and you back me up on this, we were kind of just laughing beforehand, what happens a lot when players are retiring is just, it kind of turns into an almost uh, obituary level of, of talk, like, so it's very important that, that the chat is, is, is placed in the right kind of, uh, I don't know, just placed care- carefully, because, like, first of all, John Muldoon has a lot of rugby still to play uh, between now and the end of the season. Secondly, uh, you couldn't be anything other than just extremely... Uh, you know, positive about the future for John Muldoon as well. And I mean, he'd like to, to walk away from rugby with that kind of career in, in his background and, and to know that you're going to have such a role to play in the sport if you want to going forward. Whatever that may be, he has, he has all the credentials to be involved in the game for many, many years to come, I think. Oh, absolutely. And I think as well, he's going out on his own terms. There's, you're much better off to go in any walk of life when people are asking you, why are you going? rather than people under their um, under their voice saying, well, why didn't he go two years ago? Mm. And that's a crucial thing, I think, for him. I think he wanted to go out on top. He's been injury-free now for a couple of years. His level of fitness is amazing. Alan, you know, you just quoted the, the number of games he's played and started. Mm. And he's worked very hard at that. He's, he's, he's taken on board... Um, the different regimes of fitness that Connacht have gone through, and the current one, and he's, you know, he's he's gone through different coaching uh, regimes and coaching styles, so he that's what the experience he brings, and he'll be a huge loss when he does go to everybody within the organisation, players, coaches, backroom people. He's played at all these grounds. He's, he knows what it's like to play at the Dragons on a wet night when the mud's up over your ankles. But plenty of rugby to play, lots to play for, and um, that's where that's where we leave it. Okay, thanks, William. And as we mentioned at the top, here's the interview William did with John Muldoon last season uh, as he as he went to play his 300th match. When it comes to rugby, where, where did it start for you? Yeah, as I said, I, I'm from um, 
just outside Pertumna, a small little village called Gertzanumra, which is obviously famous for having uh, the Cannons and the Hayes family. Um, it's uh, it's just on the hinterland um, outside Pertumna, but yeah, like you said, it, it would be very much a hurling background. Um, rugby would, they'd be small, I suppose people would support rugby, but not really much rugby in the area. Um, the school traditionally if they got enough numbers would have a team and I suppose I was quite late to rugby only picked it up at 14 my brother um, decided to play the year before me um, in school and they got a team together and then I started playing I'd say my first memory um, would be of Eric actually and um, Eric playing for Ireland and Simon Gagan you see this blonde head running down the wing but uh, Simon Gagan's uh, family are just from down the road from me, a couple of miles down the road in a place called Climber. So I think my dad had said, oh, I was Eric's from Galway and uh, Simon Gagan, his parents were from just down the road. So, uh, yeah, look, um, it wouldn't be a stronghold of, of rugby. Uh, Hurling would be still very big there. But um, Bertumna Club now and the school are trying to get back playing again. So, yeah, hopefully we'll have a few more coming out over the years. So when you got to, when did you feel that you got the, a maybe to move on and play rugby at a higher level? But how did it come to you about professional sport to actually play a sport and get paid for it? Because GA, as we know, is, is strictly is yeah. strictly amateur. So was that a big culture shock to come into professional sport? Yeah, it, I suppose I started playing at fourteen. Um, 14, 15, and it was around the time of the Lions in 97. Um, I started watching it, and that's kind of when it, when I started watching it and like started to enjoy it, I suppose, more so. Um, that was, I suppose, the Lions, they're very good at hyping it up and bringing it into you, and then that video came out living with the Lions, and suddenly you see the environment that they have and what, I suppose, that's, um, that camaraderie that they have with their teammates even though I knew that they were from a lot of different teams and um, not long after that um, a back row called Webb, Bernard Jackman and Mel Dean actually who uh, came out to Bertumna through Dahi Frawley who was involved here in the Connacht branch brought three um, players out, um, out to, to just take a coaching session and uh, Bernard obviously had connections through Bertumna uh, where his wife just lives outside uh, Pertumna and he came a couple of times to, to coaches and I suppose that's when I realised that you could play professional rugby. Um, that's when I realised you could make a living out of it and um, at the time I didn't really understand the day-to-day -day how it worked but I suppose the fact that you, you, you know then at 15, 16 years of age that you can make a living out of it, that's when it first kind of came to be. Um, a few months later I was lucky enough to to make a couple of Connacht underage teams and then go on to play Ireland under 18s. Um, I think it was in the, the winter of, um, of 99, 2000 that year. And um, I knew then after I'd got that first taste of playing um, rugby with Connacht and rugby with the Irish under 18s that um, I would probably give up hurling after that. Um, I was fortunate enough to play in a county or an All Ireland minor with Galway or be involved, I should say, with an All Ireland uh, with Galway. And I knew after that that I wouldn't pick up a hurl again. I, my decision was made that I would go to, um, that I would st stay down the rugby route. When you made that decision 
and you came into to the setup with, with, with Connacht. Was it what you expected or was it different? Summer of July 2001, that was the start of my career with Connacht. I came in here um, in what Stefanel called was the Connacht Colts. Um, at the time, Connacht only had 16 full-time uh, professionals and to bolster a squad and to get a bigger squad, they needed more players. So Steph um, decided to give 20 um, players from me being the youngest 19 up to about 23 or 24 an opportunity to train as a professional throughout the summer and then at the end of it offer out six or seven contracts at the end um, it actually turned out to be quite fruitful for Connacht because a lot of players ended up uh, making um, making de- their debuts that year and going on to play uh, senior for Connacht um, thankfully I was one of them at the end of that uh, uh, the end of that two month trial and I ended up uh, I suppose getting a contract from there on. So when you say you had a look, but there was also must have been a determination, a mental toughness to to take the opportunity when it was there, and that's carried through your whole career to to now three hundred appearances. It's it, yeah. it's a very long road, isn't it? It is a long road. It's a very different road from what maybe is the traditional path. The traditional path is you come through your school. You start, I suppose, lifting weights at a young age. You're, um, I suppose, you're around coaches at a good level at a young age, um, and you you have a, a defined path. You play schools, you play schools for your uh, province. You then get into academies and whatever else. That place, or I had to go the long way around. I had to go a different route. Um, when I was playing in the nineteens and twenties for Ireland, a lot of the players I played in with. Um, came through that route I was very different um, the following year after I had um, I had joined Connacht I actually got asked into the Irish Academy and I was the first player to get into the Irish Academy so it took it took a while to get there but a, a, a very different route to what's normal but I think growing up in the country and growing up in a I suppose a different environment and um, growing up in a uh, in a, a GEA background certainly helped that um, so yeah, look, I suppose it was different, but it was also an enjoyable way to grow up. When you came in to, to, to Connacht and you started playing, particularly against other Irish teams, did, was there a sort of a, uh, do you think, did they look down on us a bit? Did they sort of shrug their shoulders, ah, oh, that's only Connacht and, you know? Yeah, obviously the fact that, um, Dyer, if you tried to disband us in 2003, um, it, it probably put... Um, a bit of a dampener on things that was happening in Connacht and for a long time after that we were seen as this development province so a lot of players and a lot of um, people would have seen it as an opportunity to come here get a bit of game time and move on and get an opportunity elsewhere um, I suppose the way I remember being in a dressing room once and someone turning around going fellas we're on TV today this is our opportunity um, that didn't happen an awful lot but there was certainly a sense of that um, when there's one or two people thinking of that in your dressing room, um, it certainly must be the feeling out there. And yeah, we did under we did see that there was a sense of, um, I suppose, especially against the other Irish teams, they were like going, oh, they were wary of us for 40, 50, 60 minutes, and they were saying, oh, if, if they're they'll be up for this game and da 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 da. But look, it's we see we saw last season we saw this we see this season with Leinster it's all about a squad and, uh, and the depth and how big your squad is unfortunately at times throughout uh, my time here 
we had some quality players, but the depth just wasn't there. Um, the depth wasn't there in, in certain positions. And unfortunately, that, that catches up in you in a long season. When you're playing 20, 20, 25, 30 games a season, um, you need squad players and you need depth in your squad. And um, that always wasn't the case with Connacht. But in the last couple of years, we've become um, very, very competitive. Um, trainers are very competitive. Uh, but certainly... Um, back a few years ago there would have been that inferiority complex and um, that was bore on inconsistency of results and inconsistency of performance which is based on not having a big squad and based on people's perceptions um, I suppose all you have to do is look at young Irish players in the past they're happy to sit um, in the other provinces and play four or five games a year as opposed to move to Connacht and that was hard to take at times um, especially hard to take from me because I have no doubt I improved as a player by playing week in, week out. And I suppose I look at players who have a lot more talent than me sitting on um, on the benches for other provinces who never played much because they were happy to um, to be there and be part of their squad. And for me, that was very infuriating because I knew if they came here, we would be a lot more competitive and would have had, um, given a lot more, um, I suppose fear to other teams and a lot more competitiveness on, on the pitch and results would have went better for us and be, because of that because you know I, I've been here when there was 450 or 500 people and you played in those sort of games it, have you actually gone through many different stages here in Connacht that, has the rugby culture changed as time has passed the, the one thing about the sports ground and about Connacht is We've always had a real good culture off the pitch. We've always had a real um, buy-in from the players. Um, you have to remember, success is built on having local players who want to do well and who don't see it as a stepping stone. And you look over the last two or three, four or five years in Connacht, we're building something on the cornerstone of people who are born in this province and who don't need to leave here, who don't want to leave here, and as I said earlier, who don't see it as a stepping stone to move in somewhere else. So that's how you build, it, build um, the cornerstone of your pack. But if you go back, cornerstone of your squad, I should say, um, if you go back 10 years ago, even six or seven years ago, you would only have a handful of people from the Connacht area, um, from other provinces, and from um, other countries. That's who... who or I suppose the makeup of your squad and no matter what you do and no matter how good it is the lure of home will always um, take effect and we've seen lots of players who've came who've made their name in Connacht who've maybe had deficiencies in their game who've came here played games and then moved on or to other teams and some of them have been very successful others unfortunately not so but that's been based on them coming here but the lure of home and the lure of probably a bigger pay paycheck at times will always take them away so as I said the fact that if you if you have players who are from here you look at young lads coming through Sean O'Brien Caelan Blade etc etc then you get the likes of Bundy and Tom McCartney and some of those lads to buy into the culture and everything that's here they don't need to leave and we saw that with Bundy and Tom's re-signing this year and other other lads who Olton's another one um, they've bought into the culture, they've bought into everything that's gone on here because of what is going on here. In the past, they were torn, but they ultimately ended up leaving. And that's the difference between now and back then. Um, we've so many young lads coming through that 
this is their home and they want to be successful in, in this environment. Um, in the past, that's not been the way and the easy option was to go somewhere else and a lot of people did. So I can understand both ways. Um, many as occasion I, I left and I scratched my head walking, driving out the gate going, I've had enough, I need to go, I need to get a new challenge. But something would drag me back in, whatever it was. And um, ultimately I decided not to go. And um, it's something that I'm very, very proud of. But also, on the other hand, I would have liked to have gone somewhere else and um, I suppose experienced something else. But ultimately this is my home and um, I wanted to succeed in Connacht. I wanted to lift something over my head, um, obviously a trophy. I wanted to be successful in Connacht and it would have absolutely killed me if, um, if Connacht had won something or been a part of something and I wasn't here. And, and I'm very proud of the fact that I was here when during the days that were tough and in the good days as well. You've been captain for, for quite a long time. You've captained in a lot of games. Did that, did that come naturally to you? Um, <clears throat> I think I've been captain all throughout um, as a kid and stuff and uh, look, we, we all understand when you're young um, just because you might be one of the top players in the team or just because you, you might have a little bit more skill than all, everyone else um, that person is captain when you're younger and um, I suppose it, it's different when you, you get up into this environment and um, you've got to learn from people and I'd like to think I've learned a lot from people along the way and I've picked up stuff from people, uh, coaches, other captains. Um, I thought Craig Clark was probably one of the best captains I've worked with. Uh, when, he, when he came in, he was a man of few words, but he was really good at hitting the nail on the head all the time. I could see after a couple of weeks why he was a, um, a super uh, 15 winning captain um, on two occasions. He was just very, very good at um, nailing detail and where stuff was going wrong and what to say at the right time and um, I, I learned it's an exceptional lot from him I think as you go along you you have characteristics and I see it in some of the younger fellas you have characteristics of um, of being a leader uh, some people have them naturally and others have them underneath and you should, you've got to try and find what they are and you've got to see what he's good at and then find the weaknesses of what he's not good at and what um, I suppose what you need to work on and you try and I suppose hone in on those ones that he's not so good at so that you can get better at them and that's what you're trying to do all the time and I've had lots of weaknesses um, down the years that people have tried to help me with some of them not so much um, I suppose you have to try and find out the hard way yourself how to deal with referees how to deal with other people and um, how to deal with um, I suppose from the big one for me was how to deal with um, frustration on my behalf um, if if things weren't going well. Not necessarily for me, but for the rest of the team, a few mistakes here and there. And, um, I am a very fiery person. Um, I'll be first. Um, I was going to be, I was going to say, I'll be the first on your ass if you uh, make a mistake. Um, and that in that sense, it came very natural to me, um, but other stuff didn't come naturally. But... At times, you can't give someone a bollocking and um, you've got to 
deal with the situation and read how they're going as well and if they're not going well or if they don't take criticism you, there's there's lots of ways to do it in my younger days I just would attack them verbally and just, just go at them where I'm, I still do it um, it's still there's still place for that but I'd like to think that I've I've matured and um, progressed in those sense but it's it's been from learning off other people and learning off Pat off Eric etc etc and um, I'd like to think that I'm trying to help other lads who I see potential in and um, to help them work on their game as well and off off the pitch, which is huge. And there's a lot to be said. I, I think a good captain um, can get a lot out of players and a lot around them when things aren't going right. The Pro 12 last year is, 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 is a pinnacle for Connacht supporters, People who talk about the game, report on the game. What did it? What did it mean to you individually? And then, how did it? Did that work into the team structure? I think the the way things were going. Um, Pat came in. He he had a very, I suppose, clear uh, picture of the way he wanted to play. Um, it's obvious now for anyone who who knows Connacht Robbie's Pat or past that the way Pat wanted to play. Um, we weren't able to play that. So it took a while to get to those, um, I suppose, get to the way and get to that path of what he wanted us. Um, it's obviously a high skill, high intensity based game. And we just had to, I suppose, work hard on our game to get there. Once we got there, the ability, we knew that we had the ability and we knew, I suppose, someone like Matt Healy, Neasy, Ternan, we see it all the time in training. And at times the crowd and um, I suppose our supporters didn't always see the ability that those lads had and I suppose you work to your strengths and some of the lads the back line are um, phenomenal athletes phenomenal speed and we just worked the ball to them and tried to get them in space and the game worked brilliantly and the more and more we or the more high skilled we got the better the game got for them and obviously teams adapt and try and stop you and do whatever else but um, this time last year we were in such a good place and skill level and I think the big thing is form level of a lot of players was so high unfortunately this year we've just had so many injuries and players dipping in and out of form like Tom McCartney is a great example um, he was really hitting his form and he's just after getting injured again so that's um it happens but i think that the big thing was last year everyone was in such good form we didn't have too many injuries our squad was flying um and confidence was with us at a huge level and overall skill and ability was at a huge level which was um which is a big thing um, it's easy to say this now going into that final last year i, I never for one uh, minute thought we weren't going to lose never entered my head just the way we were playing and the confidence and I suppose the confidence in everyone around us was huge um, we were training we were playing at a level that I felt no team in this league was able to match and ultimately we got to that um, and unfortunately we just haven't hit that for whatever reasons this year and um, hopefully we'll get back there but yeah look I, um, it was I think it was some journey, some journey for me to be on, some journey for all the players and some journey for the fans. Um, it's funny because the amount of people that say to me, oh, I've been at Connacht Games when there was 400 people. If everyone that told me that uh, turned up to Connacht Games, they would have been sold out years ago because the amount of people that say, oh, geez, I was here when there was no one here. 
but um, there was a lot of people, uh, I don't know where they were, but there was, um, look, you just have to look at the crowd and um, in fairness to them, they've been brilliant this season when some of the results haven't gone the way, they keep coming back to us and they keep believing in us, which, which is great for us to see and um, hopefully we, we can repay that, but um, we want more days like last year. Um, I I sit down every now and again and it just enters my head. I, I said to some of the lads the other day, we were it was a wet, windy day and we were just about to go onto the pitch for our second uh, pitch session of the day. And uh, a few of the lads weren't feeling too good and looking out at the weather going, oh God. And uh, I just said to one of the lads, I wouldn't mind rewinding now till two minutes ago on the, um, <coughs> in, the, in the final in Edinburgh. I was like going just to, to relive those couple of days again. It was phenomenal amount of Connacht supporters, the, just the buzz around the place. And it started from early that morning. Um, I've said it in a couple of t- times in interviews, the feeling we got as the bus drove into uh, to Murrayfield and just the fans, the way they had, um, I suppose, the only way to explain it to, to people at home is that uh, the bus pulled up um, and there's there's a stairway up, uh, like a swirling stairway up the whole way up to um, the top of the stand in in Edinburgh, and uh, the Connacht fans had, I suppose, positioned themselves all along the side of the bus um, and all the way up along on the steps, and so you can imagine when we pulled in and you look up and you see all these flags and um, I suppose all the the people that we know, the faces we know and. Um, all them cheering Connacht and it was very very emotional even now thinking about it I've got the hair on the back of my neck it was very very emotional um, so it was yeah look it was it was a phenomenal day um, it was a phenomenal way to end the season that was that was just perfect I suppose in a, in a lot of ways and yeah look it's um, it's something we all dream about as kids something that we all um, we always say um to each other going before you leave onto a pitch you, you want to be involved in days like that and uh, a couple of weeks ago when when uh, the lads were all sitting and I have to admit myself I wasn't looking forward too well to walking out onto the the, the pitch when it was um, the rain was going sideways and I just said oh there's there's only one way to get back onto that pitch in Edinburgh is uh, to go out and train so uh, you had your, your minute of nostalgia to try and be back but you have to put it back into perspective and get out on the pitch and train and that's what it's all about. You go out every day and try and be better and try and get back to days like that and that was a, like a couple of weeks ago when we had to go back out on the pitch and for our second session in the in the rain and muck. So, yeah. On Saturday, 300 caps. That's that's an amazing achievement and it's something, um, it's going to be a great atmosphere here. How, how do you, how, how do you, can you see how you got from where you started to w- to where it is now, or, or is it, has it just happened, or has it be- has it just rolled along? Um, I suppose I said earlier that th- there's a bit of luck to it. Um, obviously, getting my first like one, my goal when I came to Galway in two thousand for college was to try and play IAL to try and try and play for Galwegians. Then suddenly you you get closer to that Galwegians. Uh, team and then you start thinking oh wouldn't it be great to play for Connacht um, I got offered my first contract in 2003 the summer of 2003 and I, I did the risky thing of giving up college and, and jumping two feet into it um, I played four games that year and on the 
the week after my fourth game, I played for Galwegians and got a bad ankle injury. And I thought, oh, that's me done. I'm, I'm not going to get renewed. I've only played four times. I, I think I was the, the least capped forward in the group that season. Obviously, I was the youngest, but I was still the least capped. I thought, oh, that's it. And suddenly the following year, um, you get a contract the following year. There's a couple of injuries in the background. I'm just back from an an- my ankle injury five, six months later and um, the pre-season is finishing up and two or three of the lads have gone down with a few injuries and suddenly the first game rolls along and I'm starting and I'm thinking, God, this is great. Um, little did I know that those six months in the gym, um, as I said earlier, I didn't come through the normal pathway, so I only had a, a year, a year and a half of gym work behind me. I was still quite small and light, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it turned out to be someone's misfortune I, I got to play the first game of the season here I think I played 16 or 20 odd games that year which I didn't think I would um, but yeah it's it's kind of every time I suppose you, you pull on the jersey and you achieve something you, you dream that little bit bigger and um, I've been a, an advocate of setting goals all my life um, as I said earlier I set the goal to try and play for Galwegians and once I clicked that off, I wanted to go higher and do something better and um, got my first cap for Connacht and I wanted to be a starter for Connacht. Um, I think I was 21 or 22 years of age and like every great idea, I was having a point one night with one of my good friends and um, who happened to um, be on that Nina underage team with me and who happened to be playing here against uh, Buccaneers when Steph Nell invited the two of us to come in to train with Connacht who then got capped together and uh, we were still housemates and the two of us turned around at 21 or 22 years of age and we were like going, oh, we're, um, we're, we're like starters now, we're, we're seasoned uh, pros, we got to start thinking bigger here and like everything else, over a point you think you're, you start getting a bit brave and you start thinking, yeah, yeah, we, we, need to, um, we need to start thinking about bigger and better things and like being better players for Connacht the following week the two of us got dropped <laughs> but anyway um, yeah look, we were I suppose our thought process at the time was weren't, we've got to start thinking bigger not about just making the team every week we've got to start being the better players on the pitch every week and um, I suppose our thought at, at the time were, were even though we're 21, 22, 23 whatever we were we've got to start thinking like senior players now because we were quite a young team but yeah, I think as the see as the years kind of rolled on, I started taking more um, responsibility and trying to take more responsibility and trying to look up um, and I suppose trying to ask more of myself. And then when when I felt I was asking a lot of myself, I started asking a lot of other people around me. Um, I think that was the big thing for me, is to realise that if we start asking more questions of the players around you we can get somewhere with Connacht. Um, and I suppose that comes with a bit of maturity and um, I probably, that was around the time I was made captain as well or just a little bit before that, I started asking people around me to, to for more and to play better and that probably led me getting to captaincy which ultimately probably came a year or two too young for me. I was 24 years of age, captain of the province, it was probably a little bit too soon but at the same time it gave me... Um, uh, it gave me a lot of food for thought and it, it imp- definitely improved me um, further down the line but 
it probably did come a year or two too young um, but it, it certainly helped me I think in the last few years it definitely helped me but yeah I think the tri- being honest the 300 caps and um, I think it's uh, I'm not 100% sure it's the 14 seasons I've played I find it hard to believe I, I actually when I say 14 years I've been here I, I sometimes have to check and go hold on a second and uh, I have to start questioning my math teachers when I was younger when I start going Jesus am I here 14 years and it's just flown by um, it has honestly flown by and to think 300 caps that when you're you're going out with a goal of one and then at the end of your first season you get four you never really dream of getting 300 but yeah, it's it's here. Um, yeah, look, I I find my I've, I find myself very fortunate to be in this position. Um, it it's it's a tough life in terms of the sacrifices the people around you have to make and the sacrifices you have to make, um, and especially for the people around you, that your loved ones and your family, you, you miss a lot. Um, like throughout all the years of playing. Um, you miss weddings, funerals, um, birthdays, anniversaries. You, you miss a lot of, I suppose, family things and um, which are important to a lot of people. And you, you, you unfortunately have to get used to turning um, and turning things down and letting people down. But on the other side of it, you get a lifestyle and you get an environment to be in um, which can't be beaten. And if to re- to rewind the clock and to to if I was nineteen or twenty and got offered the same position again, I'd jump two two feet into it. Um, I'd been afforded to go and to meet and to be involved with some very very special people, and people that you can always um, rely on to have a drink with, sit down, have a chat with, and um, afforded a lot of opportunities and to visit nice places. Um, we were in Russia last year, the year before, and uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I ran to Pat um, a couple of weeks before the game and said, "Oh, I want to come to Russia," and he, knowing that he would make try and make a few changes, and even the week before I played um, whatever game we played, and I went straight up to Pat after the game. I got, "I want to play in Russia," um, just to experience something different and to to be part of something different. But um, look call me greedy or call me whatever else I love being part of the environment I love being part of everything that goes on involved in in professional rugby and just like I suppose everything that goes involved in the changes in the game and um, I like information I like taking it in I wasn't a very diligent student when I was in school or college but that's changed because I enjoy what I do I enjoy watching rugby matches I enjoy going to rugby matches I enjoy um, I suppose the, the probably lads around me don't enjoy it. I enjoy knowing that they've done something wrong and telling them straight away. But at the same time, uh, they'll tell me and I'll take it on the chin as well. Um, but yeah, look, I enjoy everything that, that comes around and I get excited about coming back in training. Um, at the end of last season, we I lifted a cup above my head and I was very, very proud to do it um, for everyone that has gone past and everyone that's gone through Connacht Rugby. And, um, that week leading up to it I was very conscious of the fact that potentially I was going to be in a very very um, nice position to do that and um, I know this sounds very cheesy but I was very conscious of the people that had given an awful lot towards Connacht 
um, Jerry Kelly, our old CEO, Eric Swifty, and the names and the lists of people go down along who I've been involved with and played, who've worked here, who've cleaned the changing rooms, who've um, Dave and John and all the lads who've done everything here. And I was very conscious that that trophy was hard work for everyone in the domestic game and everything. And I was very, very proud of that. And um, it was funny because you sit back on the Monday or Tuesday after you win it and you think, how how will you um, have the motivation to come back in um, next year and have the hunger to do it? And um, we had a few of the lads here who got married uh, in in the summer and uh, last summer after the, the final. Um, <laughs> we happened to be over in Portugal, I think nine days after it, and I got up the morning of the wedding, which was a Wednesday, so it would be the Wednesday week after the final last year, and I got up the morning of the wedding, and uh, Lorna um, looked at me, and she's like, where are you off to? And I was like, oh, no, I'm going running. I'm, 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 I'm sick of this. I need to get back into shape. I'm sick of just sitting around doing nothing. I was like, gone. the final's over now. I need to get back ready for next year. And that was that was my week and whatever, two days off. I was going, right, the fire is still ready to burn for next year. And look, um, I enjoy it. It's, as I said, it's afforded me. This, Conor Trubby's afforded me a lot of great opportunities. And um, while 300 caps is, is amazing, um, they've given me the... I suppose the, the the playing pitch to be there and the the support to get there and um, I thank everyone for coming to to support me out me and the team throughout the last few years and hopefully we'll have another um, and more successful seasons ahead with and without me.